Oh, welcome right. to Amateur Logic, episode 47. I'm Tommy. It's 46. 46. You've had too much wine. <laughs> I barely had it. Yeah, George is drinking all of it. Yeah, I'm George. <laughs> uh, I think I'm Peter. And, uh, yeah, if you notice, we've been working on these glasses of wine for about two weeks now. But <laughs> actually, uh, we didn't count on how much video and discussion there would be about 44 episodes. 44, right? Yep, 44. So uh, we're still here, and uh, we're going to finish this on out, but we had to put it into two shows. So let's enjoy. Well, episode 27 was another Hamfest special. Yeah, and Jim and I found some uh, nice stuff there. And, you know, we like to mod little things on Amateur Logic. I bought one of these. I bought one of those, too. Yeah, this one is <laughs> yours, in fact. Uh, you want to tell folks what this is and how cool it is? I'll, I'll tell them how cool it is after you tell them what it <laughs> okay. is. This is a module out of a VHF television transmitter. We've got some nice plans for that, don't we? Yes, sir, we do, because what this makes is basically a solid-state, no-tune, ready-to-go-on-the-air, 6-meter KW amp. And you know... I've still got that, and Jim still has his, but neither one of us has, yeah. has actually built the amp yet. I did buy the relay, so if you remember yeah. Dayton this year. Yeah, uh, yep, I remember that. So we're getting closer. If you hang in with us about, oh, I don't know, another two, three years, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have that six-meter app on the air. And now, what would happen, though, if that uh, you set up that kilowatt amp with your, your transceiver and... For some reason, there was a short or something, uh, and your SWR went really high. What would happen to that board? Lots of smoke? <laughs> well, we probably wouldn't see it because the lights would go off. And uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it could be lots of smoke. Uh, probably just blow a fuse, though. It had a fuse on every uh, uh, mm -hmm. FET on that board. But, you know, it wasn't just half-fast time here in America, was it? Uh, one of your commercial exhibitors over there uh, was actually throwing away, literally throwing stuff they didn't want uh, at uh, patrons uh, last year. Is, is that correct? That's about it. They didn't go home with very much. You know, that, uh, that, that segment was shot on, like, four, it was 40 degrees. Uh, I'd done an expedition, basically, up to Sydney uh, and up to Wyong, uh, for that shoot, and uh, uh, when we, uh, I drove away, and I drove to the north of Melbourne, and uh, uh, whilst I was in Sydney, uh, the weather got really hot, as you can, uh, as you see, and that whole area got burnt out. <laughs> that was um, uh, we had a, a huge, huge wildfires all around Melbourne, and so when I came back, I actually came back driving through fires um, back from Sydney. So uh, quite incredible. Yeah, you know, Peter said it's forty degrees. That's hot in Australia, isn't it? Yeah, that's Celsius, not uh, Fahrenheit. I think it'd be what a hundred degrees uh, Fahrenheit. That's that's pretty warm. That's like uh, see. yeah, yeah. Run this was seriously yeah, that's about like that. And, uh, uh, but the other thing I should mention, though, is due to various reasons, I haven't been able to go back to Wyong. But fingers crossed, I'm hoping to go next January, February. Um, the next next one that's on will be uh, good fun. Duck and cover, Peter. Duck and cover. When they're throwing it's actually, There is actually one thing I want to do, by the way. I should mention this. don't know whether I'll be allowed to do it, but um, 
As you know, with radios, you can load up any piece of metal, basically, as an antenna. You just use an antenna tuner. I thought about the idea of actually loading up the Sydney Harbour Bridge with a, um, let's say, a two-metre HT. But whether I get permission to do it or not, I don't know. But it would make just about the biggest antenna in history. I think I would go for 160 metres or lower because, <laughs> boy, <laughs> that that's going to be a, a pretty long wavelength there. Yeah, well, it's not quite resonant, is yeah. it? Yeah. Up in episode 28, uh, we didn't have a lot of special stuff going on there, but I tried my uh, hypnotist exercises here and to put the audience to sleep. This segment is going to contain mostly drawings and charts, but I think if you can stay awake through it, when we're finished, you'll understand a lot <laughs> more about radio receivers <laughs> and what an <laughs> IF is. Well, that was good, huh? That was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think I must have been asleep when I recorded that. <laughs> In 29, um, you know, we, we decided to do the David Letterman thing. You're a redneck ham operator if one leg of your dipole is tied to the outhouse. <laughs> Needle nose pliers are needed to turn your transmitter on and off. Oh, man. <laughs> Three, you paid more for your mobile antenna than you did for your wife's wedding ring. You paused for ID every 10 minutes while you were on your honeymoon. Uh, your spouse says, honey, do you love me? And your response is, roger, roger, roger. <laughs> your trailer house is part of your antenna. <laughs> your mobile radio costs more than the vehicle it's mounted on. Your power supply consists of jumper cables hanging out the window of the shack attached to the battery of your truck. Number nine, your HF rig is the latest ICOM or Kenwood, and your desk mic came from Radio Shack. Number 10, <clears> your <throat> idea of RF is real fine audio. Number 11, your homebrew amplifier resembles a moonshine whiskey still in Alabama. Uh, number 12, your TV antenna and 10-meter beam are one and the same. And number 13, you own a linear amplifier but no lawnmower. What's wrong with that one? Uh, I don't. I don't understand. <clears throat> yeah, top thirteen there. That that was good. I don't remember yeah. where that came from, but we gave credit to him in that episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, they were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. And apparently, we must have taken a break because we're up to episode thirty, and it's already another ham fest. Oh wow! Another six month hiatus. Yeah, we looked at new stuff this time. First product is a small two meter antenna. It's about seven and a half inches long, but it's within a dB or two of what a three or four foot whip would get you. Well, we ran into our good friend Tom Brown. It's good to see you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it must be really important. You know, we're going to have to get by the factory there and see Tom and just see what they're doing up there these days because that's yeah. been a while. Yeah, it has. I'm sure they've made pretty good improvements on top of that since then. You know, and it. Go ahead, Peter. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, um, yeah, the, your factory visits have actually proven to be very, very good, uh, very popular videos. So uh, anything that where you go and uh, go around the factory to see what they're actually doing, I think uh, will be quite popular. Yeah, I think you're right, Peter. We've had a lot mm-hmm. of views on, on those type of things that we've done before. And, of course, you know, we're at the ham fest, and it just wouldn't be a ham fest unless you hauled a little booty home. I got uh, some coax, which I needed, some uh, heat shrink tubing, and I picked up a little uh, Oshan 
uh, dual band handy talkies. Man, I got a, a antenna mount connector to build a new mount for my HF antenna for my truck. And I got a little set of uh, small screwdrivers with some tiny Torx bits in them because I needed T7 to replace the yep. drive in my, la in my Mac laptop. No PL259s? What was wrong with me? I don't know. You know, I was wondering the same thing. I, I think that must be the, the only year on record that you didn't buy some. Now, I, remember, I remember that ham fest, and I'm pretty sure I bought them. I just don't think I said it okay. in the show. Because I usually I buy them, actually, from the same guy I got the Torx screwdrivers from. I noticed that uh, you got that uh, dual band uh, Ocean handheld. I recently just went and bought out a uh, ba Baofeng uh, UV5R uh, dual band handheld. And it amazes me that you can get these for less than $100. Um, they, uh, I got the camouflage version because uh, the uh, radio inspectors here in Australia have been going around, and if you've got one of these, and some of these uh, tune out of band, um, basically they can take them off you. But this one, though, I've actually uh, um, uh, programmed so that it's only within the uh, amateur bands. It's pretty easy to do. Well, they'll never find that with the camouflage on it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, episode 31, we did something a little different. We'd been to field day, you know, a few times before the Jackson Amateur Radio Club. This time we thought we'd just do it ourselves, didn't we? Yeah, I like to call that the survivor. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George. And I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And we wanted to invite you to our field day extravaganza. Yep, <laughs> believe it or not, we're going to the woods. And I mean... In the woods. Deep uh, in seriously. the woods. Yeah. Serious the, woods. The wilds of Mississippi. Yep. Off the grid. Yeah, we're not in a parking lot in a shopping center somewhere. Sleeping well, on concrete pads no. under a pavilion. But at Talk least it's it. cool out here. Yeah, given the temperature outside the woods in that pasture right adjacent to here, it's really cool. Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do, so let's get to it, guys. All right, All right. let's do it. Well, you can't go out in the woods without doing a little hunting and fishing. That's right. And Jim brought the heavy artillery. Three. All right, it's time to fire. Two. One. Much more success. That Did you time. see how far I cast that apple with this fishing pole? <laughs> i got a question here. Uh, tell me, uh, in Mississippi, which is not that far from Florida, do you have gators in the woods? <laughs> well, they're not, they're not in the woods. Not in exactly. the woods. They're usually in the swampy areas, but we got plenty of gators around here. Yeah. Mm. We didn't when we were kids here. Not not really, hardly any in Mississippi. They've just come in and... Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't move here until I was in, uh, I was about 19. Yeah. Yeah, you're an Alabama boy, aren't you? Yeah. Did you have gators in Alabama? Uh, I don't recall them. Yeah. I don't recall them here when I was a kid. And, you know, while we were there, um, we, we set up a pretty nice little site. Yeah, it was fun. This is basically a hay fill in an old garden. And we came to the edge of it. Cut us a little trail down into the woods. Found us a little level spot because this was on the side of a hill. We set up the canopy down on the level spot. And it's right near a gully. When we were setting up the 80 meter antenna, we discovered a cave in the side of the gully here. I don't know how deep it is. And I do see some prints down there on the ground, like uh, 
something has been bedding in there. I don't know what, but fortunately it's not here at the same time we are. Well, at least at least you don't have to deal with the um, the terrible wildlife that we have to put up with uh, here in Australia. Uh, probably, I should warn you Americans that if, you, if you're ever coming to Australia, beware of drop bears. Um, you know, you could be walking under a tree and then suddenly uh, a, a, you know, something that looks like a koala bear will drop down from above and just tear you to shreds. Very dangerous. So uh, there is, it has been said, though, that if you wear uh, some toothpaste on the back of your neck, um, that, that can actually drive them away. Yeah, and there was uh, uh, <laughs> Vegemite. You could use that as well. Oh, Vegemite as well, yes. yes. Also, they, they hate the stuff. Well, what did we do in episode 32, Tommy? Yeah. Oh, that's why we returned to the scene of the accident, wasn't it? Yeah, Jim's pool. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 32. And you know, this was the first old-time middle school balloon launch. Yeah, that was really cool stuff. This is kind of, I'm not going to say it's groundbreaking, but it may be. This is HF telemetry. This is going around the world when it goes. Um, literally, it could go to Europe, Australia, wherever. This sends out longitude, latitude, altitude, temperature, satellite condition, all kinds of stuff. Five, four, three, two, one, go! It's at uh, 65,000 feet, so it's dropping. It is dropping, but not fast, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on with that. I have lost the ARPS data coming in on two meters. Uh, I still have a pretty decent copy, though, on the uh, 20 meter data. Yeah, those balloon launches uh, sure look uh, li like a lot of fun. I I'd love to see somebody actually get a Comtech uh, ATV transmitter module and put one on a balloon and actually transmit down on, say, 23 uh, centimetres, and you'd be able to watch uh, you know, the video in real time, which would be really, really good. Yeah, I don't know if that's been done or not, has it, yeah, I don't think so. That would be pretty it cool. It hasn't here. It may have been done somewhere else. Do you all launch balloons down there, Peter? Oh, we do. We do. Uh, there's a group over in South Australia who I was trying to get involved with, but uh, unfortunately they've uh, been busy with other things. Uh, but they, they've launched uh, quite a few uh, balloons uh, over that way. Okay. Interesting stuff. Well, after that, it was episode 33, and uh, Tommy made a little trip over across the state line to Huntsville. There were tables and tables just full of every kind of electronic component you could think of. Gauges, project boxes, rubber feet for your project boxes, knobs, uh, all, all types of components. It's a great place to go stock up if your uh, supplies are running low. And you know, while you were in uh, Huntsville, Tommy, I decided to take a trip across the state line myself and went to California. Yeah. My first trip to the, and my only trip, to the Twit Studios. Yeah. I arrived at 3 o'clock uh, just in time because we were scheduled to go on live with Ham Nation at 4 o'clock. I had a quick look around, and yes, it looks just like it does watching it over the Internet. 
This is a table where we taped Ham Nation. The guy in the background with the hat on is Roger, the designer of the studio. I still had a little while before we had to go on with the show, so I took a quick look at the W6TWT Ham Shack. George, uh, when you were at the Twit Studios, uh, tell me, what, what antenna have they actually got set up there? None. None? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. There were Thousands some, of dollars in radio equipment, no antenna. <laughs> uh, there, there were temporary antennas set up on the roof, and they did not work mm. very well. The noise level was so high down there that mm-hmm. we could hardly pick up anything. And I don't know that uh, permanent antennas have been installed there yet, but Gordo was supposed to be in Petaluma uh, this week that we're shooting this. You're, you're probably watching this a couple of weeks later, but uh, possibly they got some antennas up while they were there. Now, you um, you know MFJ pretty well. Uh, MFJ, I think, make a product where, if, if you can imagine this, you put up an antenna, let's say a vertical, and then you put up a second antenna, and what the, the product does is actually beats... Uh, one signal against another. In other words, if it can actually, if if you can sort of get the second antenna sort of focused on the source of interference, you can actually remove it from the first signal by beating one signal against the other. Yeah, uh, actually, the, it's not beating. What it is is phasing, and actually, phasing, yeah. that's a noise counselor unit. And I've actually had one here. Uh, Martin and Richard sent me one to play with. To, to see if maybe it might help in that case. And when I hooked it up here, I was not having a noise problem. And so unfortunately, it it really didn't do much for me, but I've sent it home with Wayne, uh, who has a horrendous noise problem because he's using indoor antennas. And he's supposed to get back with us on that. And, uh, you know, maybe we can give you a report on that. I know for the little bit of noise I did find, it actually, uh, it did seem to do a little improvement but, uh, you know, my, I just wasn't having the types of noise here that, uh, you know, this would be useful with. I had a great time on that trip, and uh, unfortunately, Jim had to stay home. He didn't get to go anywhere that month. Yeah, that's, uh, that's when he worked on his audio interface, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think there were some problems we didn't uncover until several episodes later. Oh, yeah. Hang on here. Uh, I messed up. Just a second. Let's delete that wire. We don't want our wires crossed. Episode 34. You know, we like to build stuff at AmateurLogic.tv, and and every now and then uh, Jim would build something, and uh, one month he played with stepper motor. If we take a voltometer and put it on our positive and a common, we're going to see X amount of resistance. We should see that same amount of resistance between this set of wires. Well, Jim's not the only one who likes to build stuff. Uh, Of course, I actually built my first regenerative receiver, and also it turned out to be my first uh, receiver with with a valve, first time I'd actually ever built something with a valve. And for Americans, that's a tube. Yeah. No, I thought a tube was like an underground railway system, like in London. No, that's a valve. (laughs) That's a subway. And this is the one you should build. 
All the parts can be obtained from your local electronics store and the valve and 9-pin miniature valve base can be obtained off eBay. As you can see, hand capacitance does affect the radio. It really should be mounted in a metal box. And we're up to episode 35 and, uh, you know, after seven years, there's a few Christmases in there and this is a Christmas episode, yeah. Tommy. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv episode 35. I'm George. The Christmas episode. I'm Jim. And I'm Tommy. Ho, ho, ho. And I'm Peter and it's sort of like Christmas down here, but upside down. You know, I built a cantina way back in episode three of the program, Tommy, and uh, Peter just... I don't know. He he thought he would go double barrel or, or maybe double length, Peter. Yeah. Oh, what I was trying to do was just to simplify the design a little bit so that people didn't have to do soldering. And uh, I think what I came up with was actually uh, good. Uh, also, I was using a couple of tips that uh, 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 Peter, VK3BFG, actually gave me, such as using uh, the little copper rods that you get from uh, aircraft sh uh, model aircraft shops. Uh, to use that as the uh, uh, as the antenna, and uh, it worked quite well. Here it is, the Australian Cantenna, and basically it's very similar to uh, what uh, uh, to to the um, uh, the one you guys built. So anyway, here's the segment that explains how to build it, and we go out and do some on-field uh, testing. Well, believe it or not, we've actually improved our signal strength, which is now about minus 73 dB. It's probably because the antenna up on Mount Dandenong is directional, and I was probably just off to the side of it a little bit. That was a lot of fun, Peter, uh, especially, you know, seeing you go around to various sites there and test it out and, and get yeah. a little different result everywhere. Well, it's handy having Mount Dandenong nearby. It's um, a nice high point with which to aim for, and uh, there's also uh, our uh, local community wireless network is based up there or has nodes up there, I should say. The other thing that, that what really amazed me, though, was getting 14 kilometres with, um, you know, just a little cantina like that that blew me away, and that was at one megabits per second. Yeah, you know, here in the States, uh, during episode 35 uh, Christmas season there, I had one of these in the shack, Tommy. Oh, yeah. You actually got to play with it, but you didn't even come to the shack. Yeah, I played with it from my house. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we use the remote control software. You know, this thing's, uh, the IC7200 that we're giving away has a USB port on the back that you can actually control the rig, and not only that, you get audio in and out with it. NICOM's got a nice software package that you can use with that, and uh, you just, just took over my shack from home. Yeah, it's nice. It's, uh, the latency was like nothing. I mean, it, it's very impressive. I, I would actually like to, I mean... I may entertain the idea of getting one of these for myself when I, because I travel, to be able to use it while I'm away. Okay, sure. you heard that, right? Roger. Well, it's a mighty good coincidence to find you on here this evening, since I need to make a quick contact. I'm uh, trying this remote control IC7200 over at George's place, and I'm controlling it through the internet. How's it sound? Wow, uh, impressive. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it sounded sounds great. I've got uh, armchair copy on you, one hundred percent, five by nine. Episode thirty six came around, and it's another Hamfest month, Tommy. Yeah, man, those Hamfests come around regular every year. Yeah. Is that right? It seems yeah. like it. Yeah. We also uh, 
uh, caught up with, uh, well, a friend of mine I'd been talking with on HF for a while, but uh, he decided to join us on the show and uh, brought us something. What What is his uh, style, Tommy? Cheap. Hello, and welcome to Cheap Old Man Minutes. On this minute, I wanted to go over cheap, easy-to-build mast made out of uh, PVC that you can use for emergency communication situations or just something you need to throw up quick in certain situations. The five foot level it's glued and screwed together. At the ten foot level it's just screwed together. If you notice it's a reduced from common PVC parts you can get most stores. Gear it's reduced and screwed and glued. And finally the antenna rests at the top. You know, like we said, it was ham-fest, and Jim had a chance to sit down with Ward Silver from the ARRL and have a little interview. I was wandering around the library one afternoon and uh, pulled the May 1966 QST off the shelf, and I looked at it, and I said, well, this looks like fun, and uh, that's been pretty much how I got interested. And then it took a few uh, two years before I found somebody that was willing to teach me the Morse code and uh, show me how it was done. So the Hamfest wasn't the only thing that we had going on in episode 36. Yeah, we had a little uh, mystery from down under, right, Peter? Uh, some chanting? Oh, yes. Uh, well, uh, well, let's say from our region, uh, there was a mysterious chanting being received on or about 7 megahertz uh, from somewhere to the north of Australia. And uh, it took a little while to track down what it actually was. Nobody's quite sure where it's coming from. So, Peter, did we ever decide what that was? Well, I've heard unofficially through various channels that this is what I think you would term racing, where two people try to outdo each other in terms of signal strength. Ah, key down contest. Key down contest, yeah. Okay. Ah, right. I've never actually encountered that before in any form um, here in Australia, but uh, uh, how do you actually, in a key down contest, how do you actually, uh, you know, measure who's got the stronger signal? Well, I've never participated in one. Yeah, me so, either. Uh, I've heard of them. I've heard them on the air. Yeah, but I, I think it's uh, whoever gets heard, you know. Uh, fair <laughs> uh, enough. Up to episode 37 already, and it's time for another balloon launch. We have our cricket o knots that are going to be exposed as well. We're trying to see if, um, if they're exposed, what happens, what happens to them. Uh, we have a control group that we're also going to put some hot hands with to make sure they're, they're nice and warm. They've got some uh, extra oxygen from the, from the vegetation. And we'll just see if there's any difference in them when, when they come back. Five, four, three, two, one, go! Let it go! You can see here at the, the last few minutes, as it came down through the different layers of wind there, how it turned back and changed its direction. I'm zooming in here. Looks like it landed in the top of a tree. And it's up to the guys out in the cars now. Hey, look over there. 
Wait a minute now. I thought something had been going on here. <laughs> oh, so the balloon launching the cricket on knots. How did the cricket on knots fare, Tommy? Man, those crickets, they lost their mobility. Uh, their their legs blew off. That's what I heard. <laughs> I think one survived, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, oh, I can't get past the fact that their legs blew off. That's a bad way to go, man. Episode number 38. And uh, I guess I had finally heard enough bad audio on Echo Link that it was time to do a segment and give a, a few troubleshooting hints there. Yeah, that's some good information. And you need to be careful. You want the VU to show right about here where it's just barely beginning to show yellow. You don't want it too low. And you certainly don't want it slapping the end of the scale either. And not to be outdone, Tommy said, if you're going to do Echo Link, uh, I'm going to do what? I'm going to do D-Star. Like a lot of you, uh, I've kind of resisted it because I was under the impression that, you know, totally closed system. But I really wanted to try it. Uh, there are a lot of capabilities there that, that would work well for me with uh, travel, with my regular work and everything. And uh, I tell you what, I have really, really enjoyed it. Also in episode 38, Jim discovered a new audio device, didn't he? Yeah, and shaved. Maybe next time we'll talk about how to make your audio sound better once it gets inside the rig. Well, Jim, that was great. You know, we just can't get enough audio. And I, I really want to know, where can I find one of those perimeter EQs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. When you're shooting and you're recording that kind of stuff, you just, I don't know. Your mind goes out the window sometimes uh, because I've been calling parametric EQs, parametric EQs all my life, except for that one, one moment. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. And I, it was pretty good how when you talk about how when the audio leaves your mouth, where it's going to go. I usually, most of the time I'm concerned whether who's going to hear it and if it's going to get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Tommy, I never did find that perimeter yeah. EQ. Man, we're going to have to find out where Jim got that. Yeah. Uh, up to episode 39, and uh, let's see, that must have been April because I went to the NAB show and met up with our friend Randy Hall. Hi, Hi Randy. Hi, George. Good to see you yeah, again. Yeah, it's good seeing you again. Uh, we first met where? At the Twit Studio Open House That's in right. August. Yeah. You came out for that, and I came down from Grass Valley, and we sat down in the... Uh, in the living room set, I think, and yeah. shot a few minutes. and Sure was, and I think of... I had my tripod crooked during that whole thing. <laughs> well, you probably haven't checked this one too closely either. No, you know? we haven't. <laughs> but we did check the audio so we don't have buzz. Right, so. yeah. You, you could have just listened to 10 minutes of buzz here if you hadn't done that. Yeah, Randy, he produces a lot of ham radio uh, material on YouTube. He sure does, and, and, you know, we talked about a few of the people we saw there. Who else was here? Uh, of course, we saw Leo. Yeah. We saw Kirk. We saw Julian. Hannah. Bob. Yeah. Bob. Um, uh, Lynn, our, our producer, was here, as yeah. well as uh, Alex, who does all the technical work. And um, the fellow with the red hair? Yeah, Chad. Chad, yeah. Yeah, Chad. He, you could see him from across the hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you shoot him with... You know, ultraviolet light, does it glow in the dark, I wonder? I think it just disappears. Disappears. <laughs> I'm not sure. Stranger yet. <laughs> yeah. Old Chad with the disappearing hair. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I, wonder, I wonder if you could if you could modulate Chad's hair. Uh, you know, you might could. Uh, 
Not sure what <laughs> wavelength you would need, but uh, yeah, it was good to spend some time with Randy again, and uh, uh, we really appreciate him helping us out with that because you couldn't go this year. Yeah, and uh, maybe another year. You know, maybe, yeah, we'll maybe this coming one. Who knows? Yeah. I'd like to. I haven't been in quite a while. But you did make the trip in episode forty when you and I jumped on the big silver bird. Yeah, the Dayton. Dayton Hamvention. Tommy and I are here at our first official ham stop after a trip to budget rent-a-car in the hotel. And tell them where we are, Tommy. We are at Celebrations 2. This is the uh, ICOM dealer dinner. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to a big time tonight. What do you say we go on in and have a look around? Let's do it. Let's get something to eat, too. And we did get something to eat. I'm kind of hungry right now myself. (laughs) And uh, after we got through eating, of course, the best part. Is it just one? Uh, George, as it's spoken. Here's the A-team at work. That you can fix as possible. So no, not just one, George. Just you jump right in. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I think this is what we came for, right? Yeah. Even. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. yeah, the real fun came the next day, though, at the Hamvention. It sure did. You've been here before, but this is my first year. Yeah, well, you're going to have a big time, man. There's so much to see here. It's like it's almost impossible to see it all in the in the two and a half days. That that was certainly a good part, but the best part. Well, Tommy, we finally arrived, Ham Nirvana. Man, I don't know which way to go first. And of course, at the flea market, we immediately ran into something that I like. That's right, soldering stuff. Let's let's see what kind of nice soldering stuff they have over here, Tommy. And, of course, we had a lot more footage from the Hamvention there, and we, we can't show it all here today. But here's the wrap-up when we looked at our treasures. <laughs> what have you got in your bag there, Tommy? Man, I got me a brand-new shiny Heil microphone. I will, I'm proud of that. I will trade you this scratched-up one for, for the new one that's in the bag behind Jay's box or something. I'm, I'm good. And I got a power supply for my handy-talkie. I'm not going to pull this ball cap out of here. I got a kit, which you'll see coming up in a future episode. And I got best of all, well, maybe not best of all over the microphone, but somewhere in here I have some gold DL259s, the mother load. And you're going to make a ring out of those, or is it going to be a necklace? Uh, Both. Both. I'll make a nose ring out of one. We we found the, the bumper. That might be going just a tad too far. Yeah. Uh, are you just going to screw it in? I think that was one of the more classic moments of the show. What do you think, Peter? Oh, definitely there. Uh, definitely, George. Yeah, we had a big time there. It, it was great, man. We got to go back next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, um, of course, we were into the summertime now. In episode 41, you know, over the summer, we built the new uh, studio here. Yeah, this is nice. Now, this segment is being shot a couple of days after we recorded this episode of AmateurLogic.tv. Wayne and his brother Vince have been back over and helped me move some things in. 
It's starting to feel a little crowded again. I've got to sort through all this stuff and get it on the shelves and throw away things that I just don't need anymore. So, it, you know, Wayne showed up here. He thought we were going to go do Phil Day, and I put him to work building the new shack here. Yeah, well, that's where he had his weatherman debut, too. Yeah, and uh, you were smart enough to stay away from here and uh, <laughs> actually went to Phil Day. It was Phil Day. Yeah, another Phil Day. Not to be outdone, Peter just just had to poke a stick at some of us. <laughs> oh, yes. I've got a Raspberry Pi, and chances are you don't. I already had mine, but I, I got my little, my, my word's a little confused here like I am right now. Peter, I know you've been having a lot of fun down there, and unfortunately, I've got what you've got, but have not had a chance to play with it yet. <laughs> Tell us what you've been doing. <laughs> that didn't sound right. No, no, no. That's, that's yeah. absolutely good. We're going with that. You're not cutting that or taking that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know. Sometimes you have these good ideas, and they just don't pan out when you open your mouth. Yeah, that was funny. In <laughs> uh, uh, episode 42, Jim wasn't here, but we had a virtual Jim with us. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 42. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. And I'm Jim. In tune with the Dummy series, <laughs> I decided to do a Raspberry Pi for Dummies. Not actually. I mean, I just showed you how you can get one started uh, because the information is kind of scattered out there and a lot of people don't like to read and they can just watch this video and follow along mm -hmm. at home and get their Pi booted up. So today I'm going to show you from ground zero how to start to get your Raspberry Pi up and running. Yeah, just pretty much follow the video instructions and you're good to go, right? Pretty much. And, uh, you know, we had to do a little update with you, too. How'd that nose ring project come out? Yeah, it, uh, it's painful. I had to give that up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sore right there. Right, yeah. right, right yeah. here. <laughs> Oh, um, did you go for the left or the right hand installation? <laughs> uh, episode 43, you know, Jim was back to his old tricks again. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You know, you get Jim and Fire together, and, and boy, you got a combination. You, you got a good show and a lot of views. Yeah. And then down to the last show before the seventh anniversary. And that's when I just went to MFJ. And that was, it seems like only last weekend. And I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was good to run into him again. And we'll be seeing him at MFJ here in a couple of weeks, too. Yeah, you keep rubbing that in. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll bring you back a chicken bone. Yeah, bring me back a wing a with wing. some meat still on it. And to, to wrap up, Seven seasons of AmateurLogic.tv and the, the classic traditional style holding up to the high standards that we always try to achieve. We're going to look real dumb on here, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Seven years of AmateurLogic.tv and still laughing. Seven fun years, man. Seven fun years for sure. <laughs> well, it's taken us two weeks, but we finally polished off these glasses of wine here. Yeah, it's uh, 
It's been a long two weeks. Yeah. How did you turn <laughs> out with yours, Peter? Did you get to the bottom finally? No, no, still a little way to go yet, but, um, well, I've got another seven years to, to, get, yeah. to well, get there. We've got a little left in here for, for the next, what, that'll be 14 yeah, years, Yeah, the 14-year right? show. This will be good in age by then. Yeah. So we hope you've enjoyed episode 46 of AmateurLogic.tv here. The second part of the seventh anniversary special, you know, we were not allowed by law to present this much Amateur logic to you in one dose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just too much fun. We had to break it into two. Yeah. So, uh, boy, you know, uh, 44 episodes, seven years. We've had a great time. And, man, what a blast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been good fun. And uh, I, I just, uh, it would be remiss of me not to thank all the various contributors, uh, that especially, especially for my segments, uh, you know, Without a whole heap of people volunteering to, you know, come look at our museum or come look at my mechanical TV, et cetera, et cetera, um, these, these segments couldn't have been produced. And so I'm just so thankful to all the people that have helped and too many to, to name, but uh, uh, and also in particular to uh, Peter VK3BFG for getting me started in uh, amateur TV. And to our fans as well, you know, without without the fans watching the show, it would have been history years ago. Oh, yeah. If you guys weren't watching, we would have stopped. You keep us going. And as a matter of fact, we like you so much that we've got this nice HF station here that really Tommy and I would like to keep for ourselves, but the sponsors aren't going to let us. Yeah, it just doesn't work like that. So we're going to have to give this stuff away. And it's the AmateurLogic.tv 7th Anniversary Celebration Contest. Some great prizes here. Some great sponsors. We've got ICOM America. MFJ. Heil Sound. Gordon West Radio School. And The Wireman. They've all donated prizes here for a great package. We've got this IC7200 here that Tommy and I have both laid hands on. Peter laid a virtual hand on it. <laughs> you know you want it. Uh, also, we've got... <laughs> we've also got this great MFJ... 4230 MV power supply. Let me lay my hand on yeah, that. There too. you go. And we've got the MFJ 925 <laughs> auto tuner. Yeah, MFJ settled for a finger down there. Well, yeah, so. okay. And we've got the cable that connects those two together. So you just pop one button on the front of the radio. Bam, your antenna's tuned right up. Of course, you're going to need antennas. Absolutely. So we've got a 40 meter off center fed dipole. We've got another one, don't we, Tommy? We do. We've got an 80 meter off center fed dipole. Okay. You know, and this 80 meter one will work 80 and 40 meters. And the 40 meter one here will work 40, 20, 10, and 6. And we've also got a great microphone here to, to round out the package with. It's yep. the Howl ICM microphone designed especially for ICOM rigs. And you're going to need some way to hook these antennas up. Yep. What have we got here? Man, we've got some RG213 enhanced. Enhanced 213, 50 foot of it. Yep. Donation uh, by the Wireman. By the Wireman. Mm. So you know it's good cable because everybody buys Wireman cable at the Hamfest. I do. At least, yeah, yeah, we do. I don't know if they have Wireman down under, but... Uh, no, I'm not familiar with it myself, but then again, I don't tend to buy a great deal of cable. Yeah, so. good stuff. And and not to be outdone by all these manufacturers, Tommy and I are throwing in 
two PL259s a piece. Yeah, and you know how hard it is for me to give these up. You, you, you just don't know how hard it is. I had to, to <laughs> pry those out of his cold, dead fingers, practically. <laughs> to be eligible to participate, what, what's the rules there, Tommy? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you must be a licensed U.S. amateur uh, operating with a U.S. shipping address. <laughs> You must, okay, let's start that again. Well, first of all, you must be a licensed U.S. amateur radio operator with a U.S. shipping address. Yeah, and we're only going to take one entry per applicant, so don't send more than one or you could be disqualified. The winner is going to be responsible for any taxes incurred. And uh, the winner agrees that we can use his or her call sign and name in any uh, promotional or news items related to the contest. And contestants must not be an employee or affiliate of AmateurLogic.tv, ICOM America, MFJ Enterprises, Heil Sound, Gordon West Radio School, or The Wireman. Yeah, so, you know, as much as we'd like to keep this gear, uh, yeah. looks like we can. It's not going to happen. So, so let me get this right. In order to enter, I have to quit AmateurLogic, get a U.S. shipping address, and become a U.S. amateur, right? Yes, and you've got <laughs> yeah. That, that's okay. pretty much it, Peter. Then but you in. can only enter one time now, and you've okay. got to have all that done pretty fast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so to enter, we want you to send us an email to contest twenty twelve at amateurlogic.tv TV with only your call sign in the subject line, just your call sign, because we want to be able to sort these things out fairly and quickly. And in the um, the body of the message, we want you to give us your name, your call sign, your class of license, and the address. Now, be sure to put your address in there because we need to know where to ship this. And if you don't put it in there, we will keep it. Yeah, we'll take it to my house. <laughs> <clears throat> Submissions must be made between Monday, October the 15th, and Saturday, December the 8th of this year, 2012. Yeah, so that means... Somebody is going to have Santa stuff a nice HF station in their stocking this year. Yeah, it's going to be a great Christmas. Yeah, and the way we're going to select the winner is we're going to take all the entries, basically throw them all in a hat, and uh, randomly draw out a winning entry. Now, if for some reason the, the entry that's drawn is determined not to be qualified, we'll just draw again. So, uh, hey, very simple rules there. And uh, tell all your other amateur friends that, that maybe, uh, you know, don't know about it. Uh, well, maybe you don't want to tell them, so you've got better <laughs> odds yourself. But for more information to get the full contest rules, visit AmateurLogic.tv slash contest. So great prizes. We appreciate everyone watching Amateur Logic for the last seven years, because frankly, without you watching. Yeah, we would have stopped a long time we ago. We would have stopped a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I just remembered, we ought to talk a little bit about this rig here. Yeah, let's tell them a little bit about it. Yeah, um, I have the official wrong book here. How did I do that? Where Here's the right book. Oh, that was handy. Yeah, okay. The one thing, well, there are many things about this rig that you're going to like, but, you know, it's got DSP features in it. And there's there's two different kinds of DSPs that are out there. There's DSPs that work on the AF section of the radio, which is the audio. And there's also DSPs that work on the IF section of the radio, which is prior to the audio, up around the AGC chain. 
This particular rig has the IF DSP, which is the type that you really want. That's and there's, there's several reasons for that because um, AGC loop management. If we go in and we tune out an offending signal with the IF DSP in this rig, then that signal is not going to affect the AGC. You know, the AGC's automatic gain control that tries to turn the, the gain up and down of the radio depending on the strength of the signal. And sometimes if you've got a weak signal here and a real strong signal comes in and interferes with it, the radio just says, hey, I see a strong signal that turns the gain way down to where you don't hear the weak signal at all. Yeah. Well, the way this radio is built is that once you notch out or tune out whichever method you use in the radio to eliminate that offending signal, the AGC is no longer affected by it. So when that strong signal comes in, the weak signal doesn't take a dive. It stays right up there, so you get to hear it. And that's they call that AGC loop management. Uh, digital IF filters are also built into here, so you can adjust the bandwidth of the radio, which means you don't need to buy external or extra crystal filters to go in this radio. The the um, IF filters that are built in here uh, work in the IF via DSP, and they'll get those edges of your passband just as sharp as you need them. So no need to rely on expensive mechanical filters. And also, this radio has twin passband tuning, and I think that's an ICOM exclusive. And what it allows you to do is shift the bandwidth that you're receiving off of the primary frequency. So if you're right here, there's a signal right here beside you that's real strong. You know, a lot of times if you've got your bandwidth wide on your radio, you'll hear this little irritating chirping sound mm -hmm. come in while, while you're trying to receive and a lot of radios, you can go in and you can narrow up that bandwidth so that you don't hear that signal. It's sitting out here on the outside. But with a twin pass band tuning, you just reach down there and grab one knob and just turn however much you want. You can shift what you're listening to around the frequency up and down a little bit, or you can just cut off one side of it. So plenty of options there to um, quickly eliminate those offending adjacent frequencies. Also, it's it's got manual and automatic notch filters in there because, you know, if you're on a frequency and somebody starts tuning up on top of you, what do you got, Tommy? You got a loud whistle, don't you? Yep. These notch filters <clears throat> will just cut that out, and because of where they're located, they're before the AGC loop. So on some rigs, even though you have your notch filter on and you don't hear that whistle, what happens is what I said a moment ago. The station you're trying to hear is turned down because the AGC sees that strong signal, although you're not hearing it. It turns down. All right, this radio, with it being before the AGC loop, when that strong signal comes in, it's notched out before it ever gets to the AGC. So the signal you're trying to hear stays right up there where it yeah. should be. Also, there's a, a DSP. Uh, digital noise reduction, which a lot of rigs have these days. But there again, it's done in the IF of this rig, which gives it a little better chance to to help get rid of that interference. You can do it down in the AF stage, and some people use clear speech speakers and things like that. But if you can do your DSP noise reduction up in the IF, 
you're, you're working with the raw signal and have a better chance of eliminating that interference. There's also a digital noise blanker in there with 100 different steps. And there's a lot of other things here. Too much, in fact, to go into. It is. One thing we have played with is the USB port oh, yeah. on here. Tell us about that, Tom. Yeah, that, uh, that USB port can actually hook up to your computer, and that's, that's the mechanism that communicates with the, uh, the communication software, the remote control software. Mm -hmm. And um, it uh, opens, opens up the remote capabilities of the rig. Yeah, so it's, it's not only just control of the rig, it's the audio in and out of the rig yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great feature. So you don't have to have but just that one cable running to your computer to do complete remote control from another site. And we've done it before. I don't remember what episode it was right now, but I, I think we mentioned it yeah. a little earlier here. Um, so we know it works because we've done it ourselves. We've also got this fine 30-amp uh, MFJ power supply, and it's a switching supply. And with it being switching, that gives us a certain advantage when it comes to size and weight, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's uh, it's about half the size of my 30-amp. Uh, Actually, it's a switching power supply as well. But uh, this, you can put two of these in the space that my other smallest one takes. Yeah, and it's also got a voltage adjustment on the front, so you can uh, set it right on the voltage that you're interested in, which is, what, maybe 13.8 yeah. for most of us. Yeah. Actually, the, the other feature I like is the uh, the thumb connectors for the power cables in the back. They don't have those flimsy uh, little screwdriver ones like yeah. some of the other ones. And there's also a switch on the front for the meter so that you can look at uh, the voltage and the current and, you know, normally most folks might just look at the voltage on the rig or of their power supply and say, I'm good. But you really want to be able to look at that current if you can, because that gives you so many clues as to what's going on. If you know you're running 100 watts, that current meter ought to always come to the same position. Mm -hmm. If you see it going higher than that or lower than that, you know there's something going on. Also, you know, if you just uh, if you're on sideband and you just key up a rig with no modulation, there ought to be very little current draw because the rig really shouldn't be putting out power when there's no modulation. It might be a little bit from noise in the room, but if you see that current go up pretty good when you've just keyed your mic, you've probably got RF coming back mm -hmm. into your signal somewhere, and that'll give you a good hint. And below that power supply over there, of course. What do we got over there, Tom? It's the MFJ925 Auto Tuner. Nice little tuner. It comes with the cable that hooks up to the rig, so you can mm -hmm. you can actually tune your antenna from the uh, from the front panel of the rig. Yeah, just uh, one button there, and that's a lot quicker than using a manual tuner. I know Tommy and I both use um, manual tuners in our base stations, mm -hmm. but I do have an auto tuner in the truck uh, connected to my ICOM rig and one button and I'm tuned and uh, that really saves you a lot of time and uh, particularly if if you're not familiar with tuners um, well I wouldn't discourage you from using a manual tuner but uh, an auto tuner can certainly get you on the air a lot quicker and when you do band changes and frequency changes you know it, it's so much quicker it's, as well. yeah it's real easy uh, also the other prizes here of course we got to have antennas, so we've got these legal limit MFJ off-center fed dipoles, the 80-meter version, the 40-meter, 20-meter, 10-meter, and 6-meter version. We've got coax that's easily going to get that 1,500 watts up there to those antennas, although we're not giving you a linear now. 
We, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, your your coax and your antennas are linear ready. This is you know the uh, RG two thirteen enhanced from uh, Wireman Industries. And uh, you know if you don't want to sit here and uh, and do this while you're talking, Tommy, what have we got? For yeah, we've got a nice Heil ICM uh, microphone with the cable that hooks right up to the ICOM rig. This this microphone is actually designed for ICOM. Gives yeah. it a little extra audio. It's got a little extra gain coming mm -hmm. out of it that's, uh, you know, specially designed to match ICOM rigs. And also, one other prize that we've got here, and that's, you know, this is an HF station. What if it happened to go mm -hmm. to a technician? Yeah, if you're a technician, you don't have HF privileges, right? So you're going to get a general class study guide for Gordon West Radio School. Yep. So you can upgrade. Gordo's going to get you licensed or upgraded. And if you're a general, what, what are we going to yeah, do? Yeah, you'll for? get an uh, extra study guide. So, so. Uh, a great upgrade. And if you're an extra? Yeah, yeah. The old pat on the back. The old pat on the back works. Congratulations. Yep, congratulations. You're already there. And... Yes, yeah. these were hard to get Tommy to let go off, but yeah. I'm going to throw in a pair, and I told him that he had to match it, our private stock of PL259. Yep, so unless George uh, catches me putting these back in my pocket, you'll get a pair of mine as yeah. well. Now, these are not the infamous <laughs> gold-plated ones. We've decided that yeah. Tommy needed to hang on those for the yeah, those were Yeah, uh, those were used. You probably don't want those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for being here for AmateurLogic.tv episode 46. Send us an email to contest2012 at AmateurLogic.tv. You can look up those rules, AmateurLogic.tv slash contest. And Tommy, have you got one final word for our audience tonight? Yeah. Uh, I also want to tell them to, get, to catch us on the Facebook group. If you're not a member of our AmateurLogic Facebook group, find us on there and follow us on Twitter at AmateurLogic. That's good information. Yeah. Peter? Well, um, yeah, it's been fun five years, and hopefully we'll keep on producing. Uh, we'll get ourselves up to episode number 50, and then we'll head for episode number 100 in the longer term. Okay. And it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And, again, thanks to everybody who's contributed to all the various segments along the way. Yeah, and thanks for everyone for watching. We'll see you again next month. 7-3. Yep. 73s. Uh, you must be a licensed U.S. amateur uh, operating with a U.S. shipping address. <laughs> you must. Okay, let's start that again. All right, let me let All me right. just say that again. All right, you know what the U.S. Yeah, I figure that's going to be on the end. Yeah. <laughs> to be eligible to win this, Tommy, what's the qualifications? <laughs> to be eligible to participate, what's the qualifications? <laughs>
<laughs> to be eligible to participate, what are the qualifications? You must be a licensed U.S. amateur radio operator with a U.S. shipping address. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get it out. To be eligible to participate in the contest, uh, what's qualifications, Tommy? Well, first of all, you must be a licensed U.S. amateur radio operator. <laughs> it was right. No, it was right. Come on, man. You know how many times it took me to get that far? I think I need some more wine.